Hello, I'm Sheila Pearl, the Love Doctor. Let's talk about making love better. And for this conversation, I've invited a very dear friend of mine and coach and colleague. I've been her mentor and she is one of my coaches. And we decided that we wanted to, Trisha Ramos is her name. I don't want to keep that a secret. And her beautiful face is right in front of you if you're on our YouTube podcast and you'll hear her wonderful voice in a moment if you're only on the audio. So we talked about what aspect of love did we want to share with you. And in our journey together, in our journey in our lives, in the, the journey as friends and colleagues, we, we've shared the extent to which we all struggle no matter what stage of life we're in. We struggle with the various uh, dark parts of ourselves or what we call the shadow. We struggle with the, the dance that we're doing with, with being high performance and high achievers and, and finding ways to also regroup and care for ourselves. So there are times that we, by virtue of trying to be all things to all people or to rising to perhaps an occasion that stretches us sometimes beyond where we need or would be wise to stretch ourselves. We find ourselves caving in. We find our bodies and our spirits saying, please pay attention to me. Please take care of me. I need to regroup. I need to refresh. I need to renew. <clears throat> and so I was reflecting on one of my favorite psychologists. I think of Carl Jung as both a psychologist and a philosopher one of the leaders in our whole field of spiritual psychology. And he was one of the preeminent leaders in, in the world in really delving deeply into what the shadow self is all about, what the, the dark side is about for all of us. And uh, he said the following, owning our shadow is being willing to see it, to embrace it and integrate it. He says, incorporating all aspects of ourselves is what leads to self-actualization. So in our lives and our journey, we seek to actualize ourselves, meaning to reach our highest level of potential, to be willing to stretch in a bold and creative state of wonderment about what could be possible for us tomorrow that maybe I didn't think was possible today. So with that little introduction, I'd like to introduce you all to Trisha Ramos, coach par excellence, all about high performance. And for you to share with us, Trisha, what this topic means for you and, and what you'd like to share about where you are in your life and what it means to you to, to be keenly aware of how important it is to, to love yourself, to nourish yourself, to treasure yourself, to treat yourself as precious. Mm, well, Sheila, first of all, thank you for having me here today. I'm so excited to and honored to be a guest on your podcast. And, you know, it's, it's, I love that we're jumping right into this topic of, of the shadow. And I always tell my clients, that we teach the thing we need to learn the most in life. That in life, whatever we're faced with is the thing that actually is going to help us expand and ascend to that 
highest level potential that is inherent in each and every single one of us. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, when we talked about making love better, <laughs> you know, I thought, well, the thing that I teach people a lot that I'm also still learning has a lot to do with self-love. And that's such an important topic, especially, you know, in the midst of the pandemic, when people were forced to just learn what being means. You know, for months, we had to sit home, spend way more time with people we live with than we had been used to. And perhaps if we don't live with anyone, spend way more time with ourselves than we had been used to. And so, you know, often you can go through life giving love and expecting love from another human being without really having full understanding or appreciation for the power of self-love. And I consider last year as challenging as it was, and it certainly was the most challenging year for, you know, all of us as, as a as a planet, on, on a psychological, spiritual, on that plane, in that conversation, I consider last year a gift because it gave people the space to actually delve in. That's what it did for me. It gave me the space to actually get to know what the shadow is, what perhaps, how perhaps my shadow shows up, and if left untreated, what it could potentially be preventing me from experiencing, um, which is really the fullness of life. And so for as long as I can remember, I have always been somebody, even as a kid, I made people laugh, you know, I would make people smile. I always felt other people's energy. And when there was something that wasn't light in the room, I always, you know, as a little girl, I always somehow felt responsible for bringing light into the room. So I grew up, I danced a lot. I love dancing. I love music. I don't think I could really sing. And you know that because we have, we've actually had some voice lessons together. <laughs> the point is we can all just be better at what we do. But Yes. <laughs> Um, but I would, I would sing and dance, you know, along with um, my sister, so we could add, provide entertainment. You know, I grew up in, um, in, a, in a regular, you could say, normal home, two, two parents, both there. And yet there were a lot of moments where there just wasn't... Um, that joy present. And so I felt at a very young age responsible to, to bring that. So that, what does it look like? Well, it looks like even as a kid, not, not really needing anything. You know, I was rewarded at a very, very early age not to need, you know, that self-reliance and self-sufficiency was, was how you could be a good kid. Um, and I had two younger brothers that I often, 
they were with me a lot. And, you know, I, I always just um, saw myself as someone extending care and energy out. And um, really, as I matured and, you know, I went to college, um, made friends, joined teams, you know, organizations, started working. I always really equated the value of my experience or really the value that I offer based on how, um, what I could give out to others. Um, not realizing that I wasn't learning how to receive, how to ask for help. And that I actually had learned that showing vulnerability or um, practicing surrender was really, I mistakenly learned that those were signs of weakness. It's a trap, isn't it? It sounds to me as if <clears throat> the message you were given, maybe just implicitly, was that you're not supposed to need anything. You're just supposed to give, give, give. Yes. And so, you know, I, I work with, with um, women and men, you know, and coach women and men. And um, it really is, is it's this thing that, um, especially high achievers, a lot of high performers <laughs> share in common, you know, this attachment to um, giving or producing or performing and having that be what determines, you know, one's worth. And so fast forward to a few years ago when I turned 40, I had a stroke. And it was really quite unexpected um, because everybody knew me as like superwoman. I was in the best shape of my life. And, you know, physically, yeah, when you looked at me, it looked like I was unstoppable. And I actually had this identity that I was unstoppable. And so in the months, we could even say years leading up to that, I was working around the clock, burning multiple candles at both ends. You know, I had a a demanding job. I worked for a retailer, um, Crate and Barrel. I had a big job with that organization. I was with them for 20 years. And I also was, I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. You know, today I'm that, but back then I wasn't. And so I had side businesses. Mm -hmm. I was a Team Beach Body coach. I also taught group fitness classes, very physical. And I had um, the year before received my certification for holistic health coaching from the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. So I also had clients I was coaching one-on-one -on -one with holistic health. And, and I had a boyfriend and I had, you know, I had a full life and people were like, how are you doing all these things? And I thought about when I was in college and I was pre-med and had 28 credits. I was the captain and, and choreographer of our dance team. I had five jobs, well, you, you know? really, really good at doing, doing, doing. I was, I was like the epitome of you can do anything and I'm going to do it. And yeah, part of the implicit messaging I received as a young girl as a young child was that you got to do for you. You can't rely on anyone because you don't know who's going to let you down. 
and you don't want to rely on anyone and then feel trapped that you're not going to be able to get yourself out of any situation that you don't want to be in. So you just have to do everything for yourself. And so I thought, okay. And, you know, I got super, super at that. Well, you, you were building a lot of different muscles, weren't you? But, but when you're building a lot of muscles in one direction, it sounds to me like you lost sight of the importance of building muscles in other directions at the same time. It was pure outward, pure outward energy. And all along during those years, I was always in touch with spirituality. I, I read a lot, you know, as you know, and I understood I understood metaphysics, I understood psychology, I majored in psychology and philosophy in college. <laughs> so I always had uh, a curiosity for, um, you know, our mindset, our performance, you know, and I, I, I just, I was a great student. So I just, I really loved um, the idea that if you apply yourself, if you apply your mind, and you follow up with discipline, you could do anything. And so I did, I, I made, I was an expert at that. So then one day, completely unexpected, this stroke occurred and I was not your typical stroke patient. I was, I was just 40 at the time. And I, by the grace of God was able to walk out of the hospital as if the event never occurred. Everything that I lost in the moment came back and that I was able to walk out of the hospital within two days on the second day, miraculously not needing any therapy. Right. But it was a huge wake-up call, wasn't it? It was a huge wake-up call. And this is the interesting thing about wake-up calls. Wake-up calls can either really wake you up so that you do something different or they can wake up a part of you that you didn't know you hadn't acknowledged was there. And for the years leading up to that, I never saw myself as anything less than unstoppable. I was a source of light, a source of joy. I didn't feel negative emotions. <clears throat> I was. Oh, you felt them, Trisha. You just didn't allow. You oh, to feel I, I, I was so good at just suppressing them. Yep. They were there, were but there. before they could even take form, they were pushed away and hidden somewhere. Because your body and was everything. Exactly, and what I real what that event, what the stroke woke me up to was the idea that I, I do have fears. I do have negative emotions that I've not allowed myself to feel. And that's the key, allowing, allowing. you know, and I, I can't just override, keep overriding those things because eventually the body catches up. And that's what happened here. And um, what happened was because I felt so detached from who I thought I was without realizing it, Sheila, I, I, I shut down. 
you know, I gave up the clients. I stopped teaching group fitness. I stopped trying to be an entrepreneur. You know, I stopped doing all that. And I thought, let me just do the bare minimum because I have to keep my energy. I have to save and preserve myself. So let me just do my job and let me just be happy with that. Why can't I just be happy with that? But you do that long enough. And in my case, it took four more years. Mm. You do it long enough where you compromise what it is that lights us up, the passion that we have within us. When we aren't living into our desires, it truly, truly disconnects our life force. And over the course of the next four years, that's what I felt happened. And by 2018, four years after I had the stroke, I was burnt out at my job. Super successful, super burnt out. My relationship that I was in, it was, we were together eight years. That broke up. Because when you're burnt out, when you're depressed, guess what? It's not just going to stay in one area of your life. We are dynamic beings and if we feel badly about one area of our lives it's only a matter of time before that starts seeping in and and that those beliefs become part of your mindset so basically what you're describing is the effect of shutting down from yourself and from others pointing to we are designed to connect and interconnect and it will eventually kill us in one of many ways when we do shut down, by the way, I'm working on my next book, which is The Magic of Alchemy from Shutdown to Opening Up. And it's all about this phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's, it's the metaphor of, of the pandemic in terms of shutting down, being shut in, and then opening up. But it's really the, the dynamic of what happens when we shut down from ourselves and the people that we're connected with, which creates dis-ease. Yes, Because we are designed to be open and to be flourishing and to be, and, and to be, and to have reciprocity, to have the free flow of give and receive. And if we are not in the habit of giving and receiving, the energy stops. It, 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 it just flatlines. So that's what I'm hearing you began to experience. Yes. Yes. You know, when we talk ourselves out of our desires when we keep postponing what it is that we know in our hearts to be um, the ideal that we want to create when we take away our ability to look forward to something we are killing ourselves off you know because it's so important to stay connected to what it is that uh, I always just, it's the simplest thing. What, what lights you up and how can you do something every day that lights you up to keep you connected to that life, Mm -hmm. you know, that life within, within you. And it, it, it was a slow burn four years. And um, on that fourth year, the thing that really, believe it or not, one can go through 
so many challenges. And I call that year my year of divine dissatisfaction. Beautiful. Because I truly believe today that everything that went on that year was designed divinely for me to be on the path I am I'm on today. Well, it's often a, a, an issue of sometimes we have to know and physicalize what we don't want, what we are not, before we can get clear about what we do want and about who we are. Because it is. And that's why I, I, I say embrace the uncertainty, you know, embrace the challenges. You know, one of my mentors calls it honoring the struggle because in that moment where you're being pulled, you're being stretched, is an opportunity to either uh, go back to what you had before and just do sort of like um, a Band-Aid solution so that you can have what you had before or actually get beyond yourself, let those old situations, your old identities go so that you can then transcend that moment and be something greater. And so in 2018, I had a big flood at my house and man, I'm, I love symbols <laughs> and water is, is all about rebirth, right? Sure. And it was a massive uh, flood, you know, caused by the neighbors upstairs. And I was here. I couldn't even see straight. I was so burnt out. I felt really disconnected from my boyfriend at the time. He wasn't even there when the flood happened. He was out of the country for two weeks on a business trip. And then mm -hmm. this flood happened. And I was there by myself thinking, enough. Let's, let's do it. Like rebirth. Let's go. Let's wash this all away. And let's allow. Now... That before 2018 ended, I made a decision to quit my job, January of 2019. I made a decision to move, and thank God I did. I left my condo in Jersey City, ended up selling that, rented a house up here in the Hudson Valley in Cornwall, New York, and that's eventually two months later is when you and I met. That's right. Um, and, uh, you know, my boyfriend and I ended up breaking up in the fall of 2018. So all of these ties were severed one by one by one. And I was with this job, this company for 20 years. And I knew that in order for me to really step into who I saw myself as being, I had to really just release. I had to release. I had to release. I had to let go. Um, and then that gave me uh, almost like a blank slate. You know, when I got up here in Cornwall, I looked at this house that I'm living in today and I thought, this is where I'm going to create my life's work. Yes. Uh, what you're describing is the cycle of what happens in, in the cycle of, of death and rebirth. Okay. So uh, it, with the work I do with couples, for instance, uh, often people will come to me when they're in the moment of crisis. And what I've observed is that there's, there's this gradual buildup, buildup, buildup of all kinds of dysfunction, mm -hmm. all kinds of resentments, all kinds of anger, and people push it aside. They try to pretend it's not there and they step over it, step over it, until the buildup is so huge you can't step over it. So then we have a breakdown. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. like a breakdown either physically or a breakdown in the relationship. And until you have that actual breakdown, some people call it, you know, hitting the wall, you can't really have a breakthrough, but that's the opportunity. The opportunity to break through to something entirely new. It's a rebirth of either the relationship or uh, your own awareness, a, a new stage in your life. But this is the cycle. So to actually embrace that inevitability in your life, which says it's time for something new. It's time to birth yourself anew. Yes. And the birthing yourself anew can't happen when there is an in unwillingness to let the old identity go, to release, to let go, and to practice what I've learned a lot. What I've learned more about in the past couple of years is practicing compassion, forgiveness, and release. Because my entire life, I, I, I didn't know how much I judged myself. And one of the things, the gifts of doing this work with my clients is, as you know, everything that we are doing is also, we're, we're, we're all interconnected beings. So okay. while it may feel like we're teaching someone something. You're learning something too. It's in the teaching of that, that we are learning about ourselves. So it's such a, it's not, you know, I love that you brought up Carl Jung because he was the one that talked about synchronicity. Yes. And synchronicity being a, a set of events that are, I want to say spiritually backed, right? As opposed to when we talk about them as just coincidences, you know, there's, they're just sort of chance. And, and Carl Jung says synchronicity, there is no chance. It's, there is no such thing as chance. It's all divinely designed. And people who come into our lives are here to show us um, something about ourselves. And the same thing with situations and circumstances that present themselves to mm-hmm. us. They're here to show us something about ourselves. Oh, I have a knock on the door. Let's pause. I'm going to pause. Okay. Okay. We're back having had a small pause with a knock at the door. (laughs) Yes. You never know who's going to knock on the door. (laughs) Who's going to knock at the door. Okay. Uh, So, you know, we began began today talking about self-love and... You know, the past couple of years have been such a gift to me because it's in doing this work that I am learning so much about um, honoring, honoring me, honoring my worth. And that, in fact, you know, the self, so many of, of, of the issues or problems that we face and are created in the world stems from this... um, this this peace that we seem to miss, you know, looking for love or experiencing love, feeling, thinking, believing that it's something someone has to give us. When the road to self-actualization that you're speaking of absolutely requires learning how to accept and love oneself 
despite everything we know about ourselves. <laughs> well, the whole idea of self-love for many people is still a very difficult concept because a lot of people were raised with the idea that, oh, you're not supposed to love yourself. You're supposed to love others. It's kind of like you're not supposed to receive. You're only, only, only supposed to give. And, and a lot of people misunderstand what love is altogether, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, Eric Fromm, who wrote the wonderful uh, book on the art of loving, he says, love is an attitude. Mm -hmm. Love is not about a, a relationship with one person. Love is an attitude. It's a state of being. It's a way, it's, it's a way of expressing your unique specialness. Yes. So love is basically, essentially, who we all are. Love is, as he says, an attitude. It's an attitude of, of let's just say, creativity. To, yes. to who, who we're here to be and to step into that every day in a, perhaps a new way. So love is kind of the, the possibility uh, of who we all are in the best sense of the word. So what you're describing is, you know, how important it is to understand that love is not about need. It's about sharing. It's about an exchange. And uh, love is not transactional. I'll give you this if you give me that. So love is not that either. Love is an attitude. And it's, your, it, it's about your unique specialness. So tell, tell us more about what you have begin to, begun to discover this past two years since you took that leap, you let go. Uh, the, the founder of the hospice movement was a very profound man, his name escapes me at the moment, but he said something very profound and very special. And you know, this is dealing with the whole idea of death and dying, right? He said, at the end of the day, at the end of our days, what we realize that there's only two things in life that really matter. Mm -hmm. love and letting go mm -hmm. and this quality of this capacity of letting go is huge because it letting go is the is the other side of what we call attachment gripping and grasping and insisting right so so letting go as you said you began to notice how important it was for you to literally release to let go uh three years ago i became homeless I had to let go of a lot of stuff. I learned how to be a Buddhist <laughs> in terms of not having many of the things that I thought I had to have. I, I let go of my grand piano and all kinds of things I thought I had to have. And in that letting go, I've also let go of many other things that were much more important, like, you know, uh, children and my husband and my mother and things like that. But the, the letting go is that surrender into the bigger picture of life for all of us, reminding ourselves that what we insist on or think we have to have in order to be complete is a myth. It's a big lie. Mm -hmm. And so in that exchange with ourselves of, of experiencing the surrender and the leaning into life and letting go of everything we think we have to have or have to be or have to achieve or have to hold on to, we discover, oh, there's something else. There's a wonderful surprise out there. There's another possibility for me. And if I am able to let go, I'm opening the space for that to emerge in me and to come to me from others. Yes. 
you know, you said the word unique a couple of times and, you know, the self-love is what you need, what you need to be able to give yourself to allow for your unique, authentic expression to come through, you know, otherwise then it's a world of copycats, right? And then it's hard to feel true, deep connection with anybody when you aren't really feeling like you can be yourself. And we all, always talk about being seen, heard, and understood, which I always think is funny because how can someone understand you if you aren't willing to truly be seen? <laughs> and <laughs> so by the way, that's why I call my self-love coaching course and program Into Me See. Yes. Intimacy is an inside job. So if I am not able to see into me, and if I don't see into me and accept me and embrace me, how in the world can I allow you to see into me? Right. And so by not giving ourselves the opportunity to truly be seen, then who knows what we are um, preventing from happening, how differently things unfold the, the, well the question is what kind of relationship are we really having how authentic is it if we're not allowing ourselves to be ourselves right and so that's why this idea of of self-love which you know is really just you know the ultimate would be the divine love your your you know i truly believe divine love your love your relationship your exchange with universe your creator whatever you want to call that recognition of that wholeness within that divine love and then the self-love right so the self-love is is critical for relationships and creativity and connection with depth right because you have to feel that you you you're gonna be okay regardless of what the external world the world outside of you might be showing you in the moment the self-love allows you to move through those undefined spaces intact so we're kind of talking very abstractly for a lot of people who may be listening and are having a hard time identifying with what the benefits are, or what it feels like to be engaged in self-love, or what it, what the benefits are, or what it feels like to be willing to receive divine love. I mean, it, it sometimes seems a bit, just say, um, you know, hard to get to wrap our brains around or or our, our arms around. Uh, so, can you describe for us what what that is for you? In other words, what are the benefits for you? It's kind of like, you know, a return on your investment. What are the uh, benefits for you in engaging in this leap where you are willing to, to open yourself up to, to receive from, from the universe this divine love and, and from yourself to, to delve into the, the inner realms of your, your own inner self and your own possibilities? What do you see as the benefit for you after having had that wake-up call, and here we are five, six years after that, what do you, how would you describe the, the return on your investment in taking that leap? You know, for the last couple of years, I've had the time and the space 
to really reflect and expand my understanding that when I think it's up to me to control my life, my situation, the outcomes, that's never the case anyway. And something like the pandemic that, you know, broke out last year in 2020 is huge, big proof that there's so much. We just don't know what is going to show up, whether it's something we experience that's unique to us or whether it's a shared experience that the whole world is going to have to move through. And so cultivating a relationship with, I call them these undefined spaces, the unknown, where potentiality exists, where without that dark space, one doesn't have to go deeper in your understanding. So you know what it's like when things are all going well, things are going well, things are going well. And until they don't, until they don't. And for some reason, why is it that until they don't, we as human beings don't recognize that perhaps we got to ask for help. Like we know that when we have something like a flood or a fire or something, you know, big happen. What is the ex exclamation that people say? Oh, God, God help me. Yeah. Well, that's what happened to me when I suddenly became homeless. It wasn't part of my plan. <laughs> that's another story, which I wrote a book about. But, but, you know, all of a sudden here I am and I don't know where I'm going to be living. And I've got all this stuff. So some of which I'm giving away, throwing away, whatever, put in storage, but I don't know where. So I asked for help. Actually, it came to me. Three different families mm -hmm. came up, you know, stepped up and said, you can live with us. Mm -hmm. right. Live with us, right. And in that receiving of that gift was a huge gift of reciprocity, which which now has its own ripple effect because each of these families are now part of my, my family, right? They're mm -hmm. part of my extended family. And often I'll get a, a phone call or a text. We miss you. Come on over, come do your laundry and let's cook, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Stuff like that. Or one of my girlfriends I, I stayed with for a few months, she and her husband have this one wonderful big house. We miss you. Come, let's have a sleepover, right? Yeah. And so the gifts of being able to ac accept our vulnerability, accept our fragile selves, mm -hmm. and to say to others, I, I, I receive what you want to give. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Without shame, without embarrassment, which yes. is a wonderful gift. But for that to occur, there has to be a recognition of you, within you, for you, with you right? There has to be um, beyond survival. Yes. Uh, in other words, luckily for me, I had gotten to the point where I had been doing this inner work for a long time. Mm -hmm. So when this unforeseen series of events occurred and I needed to act fast, um, I didn't take it personally mm -hmm. and I didn't blame myself or anybody else. And I didn't harbor resentments yes. I took action and I didn't go to a place of fear and mm -hmm. I didn't go to a place of shame and guilt and embarrassment either 
Right, because what you're speaking of is taking ownership of your experience and self-love allows us to take ownership of our experience. It allows us to fully participate so that we are participating in creating our moment to moment. And, you know, it's so easy to move through life, live day in, day out with no participation and just wait for the world to show you opportunities, take opportunities away. It's so easy to just be an observer. You know, we, you know I always think about like, you know, that's kind of like living like the walking dead. How can I speak about it so clearly? Because I did it. I did it for those four years between, between the stroke and between when I, when the year of the divine dissatisfaction, right? It's so easy to just wait and not really participate. Well, the, the telltale sign of that is the way we talk to ourselves automatically all the time. Oh, I wonder what's going to be in my future. Mm -hmm. You can wonder all you like, but until you decide what you want to see in your future, until you begin to see that you are the creator and master of your own destiny. Yes, you, you may have a pandemic. Yes, you may have a tsunami. Yes, you may have a flood. Yes, you may have a, a crazy roommate and that you have to escape from, whatever the case may be, right? But, but the point is that you are still the one who decides or not. Either you're going to live by design or default. Right. And, you know, having that intentionality, that is, that is the self-love piece. That's taking enough time to actually cultivate this image, this vision of oneself. For me, I really saw myself as thriving with my coaching practice. I saw myself being of service to, you know, when I began my practice, I worked only with women. So I saw myself being of service to all these women. I saw myself um, really creating networks and communities. I saw, I envisioned it, you know, and when you're clear on, you know, what you're envisioning and why, I was very, very clear on why this was important for me, then when you can actually tap into that divine love, that divine support, I can be calm and let things unfold and enjoy the process. I don't have to try to control every nut and bolt, every piece of how it's all going to unfold. And, you know, the past couple of years have really shown me that it's really fun when you can do that. It's so fun to release the unfoldment and to be grateful for it. So, with the self-love, it's key. Now, 2020, as I said earlier, it's a lot of time and a lot of space and a lot of people woke up to, okay, am I on the right path? Is this what I want to be doing? Is this really, is this, what's the next level? You know, I always hear this saying, new level, new devil. You know, with the next level of growth, there's a next level of growth, a next level of growth. That came for me last year in the form of, okay, now that I'm no longer running away from negative emotions and I'm going to allow myself to feel them, let's, let's try that on for size. Let's see what happens. So, <laughs> so, so, so let's, let's take a, a, a deep breath and pause here because I don't want to step over the fact that you had been running away from negative emotions, mm -hmm. which is another way of saying I had been running away from my shadow. 
Yes. Right? Yes. Run it, running away from the dark underbelly that we all have. And that so we all have. Can you can you distinguish what for you were those negative emotions? I mean, there are a lot of people I meet, by the way, say, I don't want to have any negative emotions. I don't want to be about negative energy. I'm only going to have positive. And don't, don't talk about anything that's negative because I don't want to be around it. And I'm saying, do you want to, I mean, do you want life? Uh, are you willing to live life? Because yeah. life is about the whole spectrum. Yeah, it's, it's mean, feeling it's, all of those emotions, right? So willing to be vulnerable to the full spectrum of life, because if you love, if you live life long enough, you might possibly experience loss and disappointment and mm -hmm. death and physical pain and illness and, and uh, financial difficulty, whatever the case may be. Are you saying to me that you want to pretend that doesn't exist? Or are you saying to me that you want to be able to embrace that so that you can ride the wave with equanimity, with grace, and with acceptance, and with ease, and with a, with, with a, a peaceful acceptance? That's part of life. So what did you discover? Well, I was always fascinated, you know, for the past couple of years um, since I became a coach, I started um, talking with a lot of other coaches and then this idea of, you know, I heard, I heard a few of them doing shadow work and, and they were developing programs around the shadow. So I became, I naturally became curious about it because it was a part of that particular conversation that I hadn't really allowed myself to go into before. So, you know, I'm always, uh, I, I love, I love um, learning. And so this was for me the next level, right? Let's, let's, let's see what this is. And I love learning, not just from a distance. I literally put myself through when I'm reading something and there, I will do, I will do it. I will do the exercises. I will do the work. You know, a lot of, a lot of the work that, that um, I do with my clients, I've done that work or I'm in the midst of doing it, you know? Mm -hmm. So for me, experiencing it is, is, you know, such a, such a holding experience in terms of um, a really understanding how this work affects people. So I started doing the shadow work. I began probably, I want to say June of last year. And there's a lot that comes up with that because a lot of um, what is in our shadow was formed and crafted while we were children. You know, it's those first wounds, mm -hmm. you know, the first, um, first times that we ever felt unsafe, perhaps unseen or unheard as children in our formative years where that event, you know, no matter how big or small, really what it did was create a lens with which we now understand the world. And when you, the thing about our perceptions, we, we just, we have very narrow perspectives because we only see what we see. And that's why exactly we don't know, we don't know, do we? Right, right. And you know, you know, that phenomenon where you, <laughs> it's a great phenomenon. Someone tells you like, oh, I bought a red car and you go out for a drive that day and you see every red car when you never paid attention to red cars before. Exactly. And 
And so it's the same thing with our lens. Our lens is just used to, you know, that perspective that we have, the perception that we carry. They're just like a really a tiny, tiny um, collection of possibilities that are already out there. But because we carry this lens that we formed from very early on, a long, long, long time ago, over the years, we keep perpetuating those same things unless there's an intervention, an intervention being one's inner desire to grow out of that, to get help, right? But most people are running in that small circle of, of perspective that they see from those lenses. And so- As if to say, that's who I am, just you know, take it or leave it kind of thing. That's who I am, that's just how I am. And, and, right. and when you're not willing to see that as just one stage of your development as a human being, and you're willing to to uh, to forego the possibility of overriding that and expanding as a result of that, not just despite it, but as a in other words, to use that as a propellant, and a motivator, and in a source of inspiration to move beyond it. If you remain in that place and say that's just the way I am, you will forever be triggered by things mm -hmm. that come from that place, from that wound. And you will forever be reacting your way through life instead of uh, uh, empowering yourself to be proactive. Well, let's talk about that, right? Let's talk about trigger, the word trigger. So when shadows, when your shadow, and it takes time to really uncover what that might be for somebody, you know, for me, I realized my shadow was showing up in the form of uh, self-sabotaging my physical health. Yes, because you, and, didn't, you didn't see where that even existed. You didn't acknowledge that you were vulnerable to that. No, but a shadow left unresolved becomes something that will continue to show up in your life and stop you in your tracks even when you know you have full momentum things are going well and then something inevitably happens that causes you to pause and stop because now you know your the ego is coming up on oh wait 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. that's way out of the realm of possibilities that we agreed on a long time ago what are you doing well let's Let's, in my case, let's activate your sympathetic nervous system and let's, you know, take your, your parasympathetic nervous system offline. Yeah. Let's have this, you know, let's create autoimmunity issues. Let's create high hypertension. Let's create, um, you know, all kinds of, of stuff to just like stop in your tracks so that you can stay exactly where you are because that's the part that we know. Yeah, so and, and by the way, uh, another way of, of seeing the, the issue of, these, of the shadow is that we have blind spots. So well, that's exactly, yeah. These are different blind spots, right? So we have blind spots about our health. We have blind spots about our relationships. And until we're willing to uncover the blind spots, and very often the blind spots are uncovered for us by something dramatic that happens like a crisis, like your stroke. 
Right. And, and, you know, when it comes to <laughs> relationships or partnerships, like those shadow, you, the shadow you carry will bump up against your partner's shadow. You know, I mean, not, not by chance, right? Synchronicity. People come into our lives to really, you know, on, on a grander, in the grander, if you look at it, bigger picture, to help us resolve, to give us choice to either resolve what that could be now, work out, work that out now, or you have the case of, you know, people leaving one relationship, you know, I'm sure you see this in your work, you know, different people involved, you know, somebody gets a new boyfriend, new boyfriend, different men or different women, but same situation, right? Same, or it, it could be jobs, you know, someone's unhappy in a job, and they decide they're going to look for another job and all is well. And after, you know, that novelty wears off, it's the same exact situation that they had in previous jobs. And so your shadow is not anything you can run from because the more you don't address it, the bigger it gets. And it actually keeps coming with you. <laughs> it keeps, keeps coming with you. And the thing that I recognize when I began this work is I, I had... I had become really bright. I had really uh, felt so elevated. You know, I formed my company, Enjoy Now LLC. I was really like, oh my God, I'm living on top of the world. I'm doing my life's work. I'm living my best life and I'm making a difference to people. What happens is the brighter the light gets, the bigger the shadow. Yes. Right? Like when you take an object and you really like shine a light on it, brighter, 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 the darker the shadow. That's true. That it creates. So it was only a matter of time before my unresolved, you know, stuff. issues stuff, right? were here. And I was finding and feeling myself triggered not really knowing why every little thing felt like it was knocking me off center. And then, you know, what happens is, you know, I, 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 I don't, this probably will be a different episode, but what happens is when you have a shadow that's triggered, it's triggering a past event, you know, and I'm, for lack of another word, let's just call them let's call them all the traumas that we experience, whether they're big T traumas or little T traumas. But it, when you experience a trigger, it puts you right back into that situation. Yes, it's part as of- As if our, it's real. Well, it's part of our emotional memory, isn't it? Yes, and the rational, you know, that logic, that all goes away because now your nervous system has taken over. That's right. And so the trigger is really, you know, a friend of mine said this so beautifully. We're, when we're triggered by someone or we're triggering someone, it's really our nervous systems bumping up with each other. It, it's the mechanism with which like our nervous system is like experiencing each other. And we're sort of just like kind of trapped in that space. And then less you recognize that that's not a way to continue to exist. I gotta, I gotta really find a way to 
uh, shine a light on whatever that is that I've not been able, I've not been willing to look at for the purpose of bringing that part of you back into the fold, into the wholeness of who you are, which is what I'm doing right now. I'm in the middle of doing that. I gave myself a two-week self-imposed vacation the last week of February <laughs> to yeah. really be able to integrate like all these parts of me that I turn my back on. And it's in that bringing, bringing all those parts of me into wholeness that I can actually practice compassion with myself, forgiving myself, because that's really in the end, who needs the forgiveness is, is the self so that then there could be that letting go, that release, right? We began talking about self-actualization. Well, that happens when one feels the capacity to be whole. So, and, and that capacity to become whole comes from letting go of judgment mm -hmm. and embracing compassion. Mm -hmm. Compassion for yourself, which then has its own ripple effect in terms of compassion for others. Mm -hmm. Because in that space of judgment, as I like to say often, love goes on vacation. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, we, we always say, you know, this from um, our Bold Conscious Leadership Program, it's hard to stop doing something. So a lot of times to stop doing something, you got to replace it with another thought, idea, or behavior. And so we always say, start practicing more compassion. Because when you can practice more compassion, that is something that connects you to your heart. And the more connected you are to your heart, the less likelihood that you'll stay in that judging place. So the start the compassion and don't worry about stopping the judgment because by nature of starting, you know, and extending that compassion, it will naturally, naturally connect you to your heart. And what we give ourselves, we inevitably give to others always it's just the way it works so the more compassion we give the more we're going to be able to extend that same thing to others so as you're speaking i'm thinking of one of my clients whom i saw last night who admitted to me when we first started to work together that he's had challenges in his relationships in life because he gets very defensive when he mm -hmm feels that someone is criticizing him because he tries to be perfect all the time. Hmm. So in trying to be perfect all the time, and he spent the past 45 years trying to be perfect, doing his level best to be the best dad, the best uh, uh, administrator, the, the best husband, uh, all of that. The extent to which he doesn't acknowledge his own capacity to be imperfect <laughs> mm -hmm. the more he doesn't acknowledge that he may have very a very high level of uh, goal setting for himself which is fine he wants to be the best he can be but unfortunately he's thinking in terms of this this perfection thing right so when somebody suggests that he might have fallen short of being perfect in anything he gets defensive, he gets angry, he gets, he, he goes into a rage. 
and he becomes this person that he doesn't want to be, saying things he didn't mean to say, making all kinds of, uh, leaving all kinds of damage in his wake. And, you know, we talked about uh, a conflict that happened between him and, and his partner in which she needed him to be understanding and to listen to something that had upset her and uh, she wanted to understand why he hadn't gotten back to her and she thought that uh, he had seen her message but was ignoring her so she she claimed that uh, you know my iphone says you read the message and he immediately jumped to his own defense becoming defensive and his answer was are you calling me a liar now instead of jumping to his defense he could have had compassion for his partner who said, I needed you and you weren't there. Mm-hmm. And he could have leaned into with a, a desire to understand, a desire to be compassionate, a desire to hear what his beloved was saying. And he could have bypassed the being defensive, except he's not willing to accept his shadow. Yes, that's... He's not willing to, so he's immediately jumping to his own defense, creating havoc. And that's really it. Um, we can't solve a problem that we don't name. <laughs> you know, when you're not willing to acknowledge, acknowledge, then he, he by him not not seeing that the shadow shows up in perfectionism. And left unresolved, it's eventually going to, you know, it's yeah. create it's creating already uh, problems in well, his. Uh, well, uh, exactly, I know those as you know. By the time you get to be forty-five, you've established a lot of habits that just follow you everywhere you go in everywhere every your life, your professional life, your personal life, your social life, everything. Right, everything. It's a whole gamut. It's your you life, and you don't see the damage that it does you know, as you're walking through these arenas, right? Then all of a sudden everything starts to explode. Because it is. The shadow is part of our mindset, whether or not we are aware of it. Now, uh, it takes work. And I encourage anyone listening who, you know, wants to do that work, is curious about that work, to find someone to work with you know, that really can help them make sense of it all. You know, for me, my experience in doing the work began with a lot of reflection, which inevitably pulled up a lot of memories. Mm-hmm. And memories are funny. We don't even know if they're accurate. No, we don't. We, we, but, we, we believe what's, what, what that, you know, what that recording has been, uh, looping around for what maybe decades yes yes who knows it may not be accurate at all who knows right it's just like one one person it's your perception and so having a someone professional that can really help you you know uh, make sense of that and to work with you on the integration of all of those memories and then you know you get to a point now now so now what so now what right because also with doing shadow shadow work, there there has to be discernment, and discernment sounds like judgment, right? But it's not. It's not. It's it's, it's recognizing not. the difference between chocolate and vanilla. Correct. 
<laughs> it doesn't judge one is good or bad. No, but they're different. It right. So there. So you know the judge. The judging is like this is good. That's bad. This that's not what this sermon is. This sermon is knowing there are choices, and also being able to choose a path and feeling at peace, feeling whole about that choice, knowing that um, all of those paths lead to different possibilities. That's all. So the blind spot that could show up that's pointing the way to something you need to look at might be a, a simple innocuous exchange like, uh, so what do you want for dessert? Oh, I want some chocolate ice cream. Oh, what do you want that for? Mm -hmm. Rather than, oh, okay, I, I don't like chocolate, but I see you do. I'm going to have strawberry, right? So judgment can creep in in an insidious way when you don't even realize it because that kind of question well why, why why would you like chocolate comes from a belief that if if you don't agree with me if you don't like what i like you're the enemy correct and, well right and and that the person who said oh what now if it's I wouldn't be surprised if the person on the other side of the table is like, what's wrong with my choice? And now it's bumping up against something that that's going to trigger them about them perhaps questioning their choice. And there we have the quintessential fight. <laughs> yes. Fights that arise and the two people don't even know what it doesn't even to matter. <laughs> and then they're embarrassed to even reflect on the fight because did we just fight about ice cream? I mean, no, it was not ice cream. Ice cream was the vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's really, that's what happens, right? Like that is how insidious the shadow can be. Could be little things, big things. You know, you can be making decisions that are life altering, choosing to move to another city because of a job or um, deciding to stay in a relationship or not. These are huge life-altering decisions that unfortunately, guess what? Shadows tend to play a huge part in creating those situations. Exactly. And in preventing you seeing clearly what the, what the resolution might be as well. Well, Which, because the yeah. clear, I'm glad you brought that up. When our nervous systems are triggered, when we're triggered, immediate fog sets oh, in. Yes, fog, blindness, veils, you know, barriers. We cannot see clearly. No. So uh, I often say, I'm all about clarity. All the work I do, all day, every day, mm -hmm. night, weekends, whatever. Mm -hmm. It's all about seeking to understand and seeking clarity mm -hmm. so that we, you know, remove the fog. Right. We remove the judgment and we add the compassion. And we add wonder, we add imagination, we add curiosity. And those are all beautiful things to add, right? And focusing on, focusing on all of that is enough to, I guess, you know, enough to open someone's I, uh, heart to, okay, if I were to uh, practice a little bit more self-love for myself, because nothing happens overnight. If I were to give myself permission to demonstrate what self-love is, what could that look like? Going back to your example about your client, um, 
you know, it made me think of things that I was doing uh, a few weeks ago where I would schedule playtime for me. You know, things that I would have enjoyed um, as a little girl. Mm -hmm. And I became very intentional with time that I would spend with my five and seven-year-old niece and nephew, where in their presence, I would really play with them. You know, not be here on my phone, not tuned out as they're doing what they're doing, and I'm just here watching them. No, no, no. Like... You had the How would it feel like to play? You had the intention of all in engagement, which is what you must be involved with when you're playing. When you're playing, you have to be there. You have yes. to be present. You cannot play unless you're present. Correct. And that's, you know, to go back to what we said earlier, when as a little girl, I really didn't feel like I could just need when you can't need, how do you play? So I have vivid memories of not playing, watching other kids play. Oh, wow. And me not playing for whatever reason. I wasn't supposed to get my dress dirty. I can't, I wasn't supposed to sweat. I just, I just had to Wow. be pretty. <laughs> look, look, look at you now when you do your workouts, right? <laughs> And so, you know, I realized in, in the, as those memories came up for me last year, I thought I, I could use more playtime. I could use more playtime. And for me, the hikes in the woods, you know, the um, really turning the music on to dance, all having the essence of play, just like allowing myself to be. By the way, I, I'm thinking of a, another conversation I've had recently <clears throat> on loving your life in the fourth quarter. And one of the features of, of uh, reminding yourself what's possible for you when you're in that fourth quarter of life, whether it's 60, 70, 80, whatever that fourth quarter is for you, is to ask yourself, when's the last time you danced? Mm. When's the last time you played? When's the last time you created something? When's the last time you sang a song? So to remind yourself that it's in these creative moments of enjoying the moment with the moment of play, singing a song, doing something creative, that we experience the fullness and wholeness of who we are. Mm. And so often we forget when we get to our fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh decade in life. Yes. So you know, life has been inviting you to discern what matters, to discern what balances for you at this point in your life, to discern what you want to make of your life from this point going forward, mm -hmm. learning from everything you brought up until this moment. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's a practice. Just like you said, love is action, right? Love is... Well, love, love is, a, a love is an attitude, but love is a verb. Attitude and it's how you behave. It is how you behave. It's not just a feeling. It's mm -hmm. a, I mean, the feeling might be, I adore you. I, 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 I have great affection for you. I have passion. I'm attracted. But love is the overarching 
attitude yes and intention of being who we are and allow and allowing ourselves to be who we're born to be i love i love uh you know one of the things i do at night right before i go to bed one of the last words i say i have a whole evening routine but right before i close my eyes or maybe just as i close my eyes i say i love you trisha good night beautiful beautiful i'm going to add that to my practice trisha i do that in the morning but i'm going to do that at night too and i would suggest any of you listening or watching this podcast episode, add that to your practice. Begin the day by looking in the mirror and saying, I love you and you, and you name yourself. And before you go to bed at night, say, I love you and name yourself. And that's a beautiful way to bring our conversation to at least a pause for now. <laughs> we'll have part two. It's for a, sure. <laughs> it's a rich conversation about how important it is for us to make love better for ourselves with ourselves so that we can make love better for the other people and endeavors in our lives so that we can experience the wholeness of allowing ourselves to be who we're born to be without letting fear stand in our way and perhaps to eventually get to the point where you actually see fear as your angel who's daring you goading you to be yourself your divine dissatisfaction dance partner <laughs> there you go beautiful so trisha before we say goodbye for now would you let others know how they can find you and uh and uh what you know just in a word again what you're what, what you're about and how people can find you Yes. So my name is Trisha Ramos. You can find me on all the major social media platforms, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, under my name, Trisha Ramos, T-R-I-C-C-I-A-R-A-M-O-S. And the website, uh, I have a business partner, Raju Panjwani, who you had on, on your podcast a few weeks ago. We have a website called livemasterminds.com where uh, you can check us out. We coach entrepreneurs to really tap into unity consciousness and create businesses that are designed to raise a level of consciousness in this world. So check out livemasterminds.com. And let's see, we also have a podcast that we also just launched a couple of months ago, Bold Conscious Connections. You can check that out on any major podcast platform. And yeah, Beautiful. we have a YouTube channel too. <laughs> and so we, we both have our own podcast YouTube channels. I just established mine a couple of weeks ago as well. And we are uh, bo both on all those platforms, whether it's Apple, Spotify, Audible, you name it, we're, we're uh, out there. So I am Sheila Pearl, the love doctor, and inviting you to make love better. So until next time when we talk about making love better, add some of the ingredients that we've given you in this conversation to your life and to your loving of yourself. Bye for now. Bye.